Do we want to be remembered for who we were, even if we weren't perfect? Oh, that's a whole different question there, Denise. Because I don't think, I don't know if I would want to be remembered for my bad things. But did Zary? All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Welcome to Fall North Tokers. This is episode 130, March 17, 2019, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today, I invited the ladies over to Ethical Quandaries to come help me out with a situation. One of my previous guests, Zary Guber's parents, have contacted me and asking to pull his episodes from the lineup. Some of you may have known. A month ago, he died complications in a surgery parents come to find the podcast and it is bringing hurt feelings to them to say the least here we go there's so much more i'm trying to i'm trying to get through it i'm leaving bits and pieces out but i'm I'm letting you know like all this insanity man i didn't know that i kept relapsing i relapsed so many times i had overdosed i did heroin shooting up from that 93 except for when i was in jail to 2015 and you heard the way that I was doing it, man. Like, I should not be here. Guns in my face, because I rip it off dealers with fake money on the street. And I'm like, fucking, like, I shouldn't even been... And I'm so glad you are, because you give me, just even, you being around, you give me joy through the this cafe. (laughs) Welcome, Jessica and Denise of Ethical Quandaries to Far North Tokers. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I wanted to have you on because I myself am facing a podcasting ethical quandary. And who do I go to but my friends down south (laughs) in the lower Alaska to um, help me out with the situation? I want to go first to like, why are we even having you on? Like, what is, where did you come up with this idea for your podcast? Our podcast, Ethical Quandaries, we talk a lot about the everyday quandaries that we have in life that we think about like what to do what not to do big situations small situations we started out with things like uh, short-term missions if they're ethical or if they do more harm than good we talk a lot about how we were raised evangelical conservative christians and how we think differently now or think the same about certain things and we've we've had um other guests on as well talking about how they look at ethics including somebody who is an atheist and somebody who is Jewish. And we're, you know, super excited to have multiple guests on with all sorts of different opinions and experiences. And so that's, that's where we're at. And we just talk about these everyday ethical issues. Your show has been going like a year now. Yeah, it's just a year now. Um, I think we started in February, 2018. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And just, there's so many podcasting, especially, Especially over, I would say, the last few months, really, it's it's really kind of catching on, isn't it? A lot of people are talking about doing them, and feels good to be somewhat of a veteran in that world where people are getting excited about. <laughs> I hear that if your podcast is over a year old, it's ancient. So you're, you're ancient of days. <laughs> oh, really? I feel good. Yeah. I'm a classic. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we have you to thank for getting yeah. our, you know, getting us excited about mm-hmm. podcasting and being a guest on our show, which I love that we did a two-parter with you, and that was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah and all the technical technical advice that you gave us, you know, we got our mic because of you, the type of um, program that we used to record, so we thank you for that, for getting us started and encouraging us. Uh, right, especially the technical side, that might be blind leading the blind. <laughs> We're working though, right? It works. We're we're putting it out. <laughs> yep. A lot of people are so worried. I I see in a lot of the like the podcast support group people talking about um, oh I need to get all my equipment. I need to get this. I need to get that. And you just need to hit record, right? Just hit record. Yeah. <laughs> if your content's there, you know, other stuff will come. But it does make it better. Has your show evolved? I remember one time talking about your show being a Christian show, and you <laughs> sort of took offense to that a little bit right away. <laughs> And now it's it. I don't know if it's going back that way, or you seem to be. That's what you know, and that's what you're talking about. You're bringing in other religions in, or so. How's that going? I think it depends on the week for us. Sure. And like how because yeah because that's how we were raised, and so that's how a lot of the things. Hey, you look at the world at first, and then you have to analyze like, do I think this way, or is this a product of my upbringing? I think I would still probably take offense to that, okay. even though I think Jessica has listed us under. We're, no, I listed us under comedy, not religion. Yeah, but yeah. we're not incredibly hilarious. No. <laughs> we think we are, but we're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it just evolves. And I think giving us more of a, a space allows us to do kind of whatever we want. Mm-hmm. I definitely do think it's evolved. I, I think one of the things was is when we first started podcasting, we felt extremely nervous and controversial. Mm-hmm. Everything we said, we we felt the backlash because um, we had people writing us and giving us negative feedback. Like on like through Facebook or email? Both. And, and it wasn't like negative feedback, like, oh, your sound sucks. It's It was like you're what you're saying is wrong. You're wrong. Oh, your opinions. <laughs> yeah. Our opinions are wrong. Uh, and like what you're doing is wrong. Wow. Yeah. Just your, your straight up, I mean, what your core, just having a show yeah. about talking about that. Yeah. I just feel like we got a lot more negativity at the beginning and we felt a lot more controversial, but I, now I listen to the beginning ones and I'm like, oh, that was so easy baby stuff. Yeah. I think we excluded and, and weeded out those listeners quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think so now they, we have our base that like isn't shocked at what we say. Right. And and yeah, and most people think what we say is is benign and not mm-hmm. even shocking at all. So yeah. It has evolved. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It it what it evolves into what you're receiving positive feedback from, what you enjoy doing, yeah, all the all that. It's it becomes that circle, doesn't it? Yeah. Hello. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located downtown Fairbanks. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located downtown Fairbanks provides families, people, and pets with a wide variety of products from Mother Nature. We carry brands like Renew, Green Roads, Creating Better Days, CBD Plus Oil, and Select. Aurora Apothecary, 2nd Avenue, Fairbanks, Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., 456 that's four five six four three six seven. Aurora Apothecary, your CBD superstore for pets and people. Have a wonderful day.
Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're gonna love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. Special in-house strains, fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles, mmm, concentrates by good cannabis, good titrations, edibles by AK Frost and the good cannabis gummies. Head on over to Chena Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till six. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis, your North Pole cannabis dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. So, my specific situation that I'd like to talk about. I had had a previous guest from last year in August. He is a, he was a large, huge Facebook celebrity in cannabis in his own world. I mean, there's so many niches on Facebook that get into this group and that group and, you know, you're famous in your own little spot. He had a huge huge cannabis group and in the beginning of my podcasting one of the ways to market your show is to find groups that are covering the content so his was one of the first i found uh the cannabis cafe you know like there wasn't a lot of weed groups on facebook at the time in 2015 there was some but not a lot and i'm like i could do this you know so i brought my friends that were on my friends list and the ones that were in the smokers but i put everybody in i had I started the group with like 200 people. They're all my friends. You know, I didn't, I didn't have tags. I didn't know what tags were. But we have this weed group, and we just post. I, all right, I'll say I would just post. My friends are putting up with me posting, posting. <laughs> as soon as I got in there, he sends me a message saying, uh, "I see what you're going, what you're doing in Alaska. Just keep things chill in here. No selling, no, no advertising." I'm like, "All right, that's good," because I think the first. I joined this other giant group. I don't even know what it was. And the first thing I did when I went in there was like, hey, I got a show, Far North Tokers, blah, blah, blah. And I was immediately booted. <laughs> just had no idea, you know, just, and yeah. so I was a little bit softer on my next group entry and that was the Cannabis Cafe. So became a part of that and started sharing content. And he's from Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania. We had a trip last year to go there and a lot of my shows don't Skype but I have a chance to meet up with him in person and with I don't know how how much of your show is done Skype and how much is done in person you and one other guest have been on Skype so really most of our show is done in person if we have a guest do you like that one better I like it in person yeah Yeah, me too just because you can see when they're getting ready to talk Mm. (laughs) so you don't interrupt yeah that makes sense All right. 
Yeah, but I know what you're saying because we have had one guest we want on our show and we've wanted him on our show for like six months yeah. now and we have yet to meet up with him because we really want to do a face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And he's only living down in Homer. Homer but <laughs> we, we said, well, we go to Homer all the time. And then like since then, we've been to Homer like once and we were busy all that weekend. So yeah, we need to set up to meet with him. But yeah, we'd prefer face-to-face if we can do it. Yeah, and, and with my show, it it really is conducive to sitting there smoking a J, passing it back and forth between what I do, because it, it, <laughs> it lends to very interesting conversation, and it, it's just what the show is. Yeah. So I was really looking forward when I went across country to finding time to meet up with him. As we're back there, and family and friends were meeting up with people, and time's running short. And I'm like, oh, no, I got to get up there and meet him. And I'm already crossing people off my list that I'm supposed to be seeing. And I knew I had to see Zary. Last day is coming up. He lives three, four hours away up in central Pennsylvania, northern a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was down in Baltimore. Drive up there three hours, meet him, hang out with him, do a show, come back. The thing about him, he's a recovering addict. He okay. uses cannabis. Yo, this is the shit right here. <laughs> This is healthy, and this is the best shit right here. You got me rambling. <laughs> sorry, man. Like, There's yeah. no sorry. I, I'm, it's I'm a like story. In full character, I'm all right. <laughs> but you, that, that story, God created who you are to create Cannabis Cafe. Yeah, yeah. It to, did. to how I know you, I suffered till I got locked up in 2015. Bro. Don't and, have. <laughs> I I would sit here and do it. Sit here and talk to you first. I know, man. Used cannabis. I keep saying this. Um, yeah. Gary, <laughs> Gary, Gary. <laughs> How do you make it? Yo. <laughs> it's miracles, right? Look, God? I don't know. You can call it God, for like I said, lack of a better term, too. The universe. You're just, had, you just weren't done. It wasn't done with you yet, right? Dude, I had to run. I had to run it out of my system, man. Like, and it's, everybody has to run out. Of course, man. I have a million stories like this, and I could go on forever. He used cannabis to help him with uh, coming out of withdrawal. To be honest with you, I don't know how cannabis helps addicts. I don't know if it gives them the other sense of euphoria that they used to have, or I, I don't know. I, that was a question. That's a good question. Like what it does to the person that makes them able to just use cannabis and not go back to heroin or their It just their takes other drugs. that edge off. It must. It may also help with pain um, because people who are addicted to opiates often kind of fry all their pain receptors, like the, mm. the receptors that prevent pain. And so I think that cannabis can help with that um, so they're not in pain all the time. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Then you won't get real high from that little bit. I guess I did, though, because, like, all of a sudden, I felt like I was home again. I felt like, oh, this is what I I didn't know it, that I was addicted, and uh, but the doctors and hospitals did, and so what, they didn't warn me. So when I tried that, I didn't know I'm going to go want to do that every day now. That first little bump, I had a ton of money at the time. Uh, I got a settlement from the accident. That didn't last long after this. But. <laughs> <laughs> so it was me taking my friends to the city oh. every day, getting some. 
Uh, they blamed me for their their shit later on, but they're the ones that turned me on to it, you know? They blamed me because, like, we went crazy. Like, for a year, we just did that every day. I He wanted to share a story of recovery, and it was... It's not a pretty story. Then, uh, after that year, like, I was... I had to get do so much to get high. Now the money is really running out, you know, because, like... I lived like a king for a year, but like it was getting stretched. I'm thinking about even getting a job now, right? Uh, and I'm driving around the back streets of Tamako from dealer to dealer. I gotta get my stuff fast. I, over there now, shit, fly over there through stop sign. And at one point, I said to myself, holy shit, man, I think I'm addicted. I think this is what they were talking about. Why do I feel this way? Why is my insides all tight and jittery and I'm cold and it's 90 degrees and I have long sleeve shirts on? I said, I think I'm addicted. It was the only episode that I considered editing for content mm-hmm. personally. I had my first first quandary with how I'm going to, because normally I, I'm completely open with so much you know say whatever the hell you want i don't care i would rather hear people's ugliness so i know who to stay away from than than everyone hide hide stuff so yeah say it say it let's let's learn from it and he did he he was completely open anything i asked him he answered the part i was leery about posting was him talking about shooting up heroin Mm -hmm. and learning how to do it uh, and in great detail, if I remember correctly. Yeah, great detail. Great detail. Like, when he was explaining it to me, we are sitting there in the woods down there next to the river there in uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And um, I think my mouth was just open. It was something that the only experience I have with that is like Pulp Fiction. Watching <laughs> um, uh, John Travolta's character shoot up. And that's it. That's the only, or yeah, that's it. So him describing that, to me was shattering or yeah, just some naive reality of what I thought existed. So I, I thought about pulling that out because my show is not a heroin show. It's not a drug show. I don't want to be teaching people how to do that. Mm-hmm. It didn't take long for me to decide, just leave it in because that's his story that to take that piece out, it cleans it. Yeah. Takes a part of his story. That gets to one of the, the issues of cleaning history where I was choosing as the artist of a podcast to edit material and I left it in for the sake of eh, art or the story and it goes away. Six months go by still as Facebook friends. I don't know how it works with you in podcasting, but the guests I have for about two weeks around a guest the week before and a couple days after the show, we are in a very tight relationship we're sharing things back and forth we're talking all the time mm-hmm. yeah we get tight and then after yeah. that after that show i don't talk to him for a while you know we do a show every week so then i'm on to the next person and it's not that i don't care about that person it's just that this is where my energy's focused to and that's what's building that relationship so we kind of didn't talk too much only through facebook and things i went back to alaska he stayed in pennsylvania uh, legalization is happening in pennsylvania right now so he was very excited about that he was involved in talking about opiates helping people you that used to that had that were addicted to opiates getting off with cannabis he was talking to lots of politicians setting up different groups working with starting his own cbd company in pennsylvania mm, nice and then he has a complication with surgery 
I, that's all I know. I don't know anything other than that. That um, he died during surgery. He was 42, maybe 43, something like that, but destroyed his body with drugs. Part of the beginning of his story, he was in a car accident when he was 19. Let me tell you this, because uh, it's a, it's it was an ominous night. And right. signs were there from the beginning. We always had parties out in the woods, bridges on top of the high bridge, I was telling yeah, you. Yeah. We were a campsite. So this one particular night, we're having a party, and we had to change plans where it was, uh, because there was these crazy thunderstorms rolling through. They would come through, burst a bunch of lightning and thunder, and then roll out, and they kept coming all night. So we partied under this bridge. We had a quarter barrel for about 10 people. <laughs> and uh, smoking weed, of course. And everybody left, and me and my friend said, let's stay here and kick the keg. Because <laughs> you can't go with beer in the keg. So, you know? <laughs> so we did. We sat until it was done. And at that point, it's almost 3 in the morning. And Burger King was open until 3 in the morning. And Burger King was down the mountain in Tamaqua from hometown. Took the keg down to my parents' house and dropped it off in the backyard. I did. I got back in my buddy's car. Now, back then, everybody drank and drove every night. Oh, I know. Throw five bucks in the tank and go out the farm roads every night. We never had a problem. I, I get in the car. This wasn't the population. There wasn't a lot of people driving. That's true. That's well, true. You, if you do the same thing in Philly, it's, we're not going to be good. Yeah. You reckon more and things. But yeah, we had farm <laughs> roads and you wouldn't even see anyone on your way home. Right. Right, and not so that that's it was right, but that's what you expect, right? Okay. Yeah. He says, he says to me, Gary, put your seatbelt on. And I said, Steve, I'm cool. I trust you, and because we never had this issue before. And he said, No, man, put your seatbelt on. Because we were going to Burger King for double cheeseburgers. They were on sale, like for a buck. So <laughs> that was the plan. Drop the keg off, get in a car, put the lap part of my seatbelt on, but not the shoulder harness. And that's the last thing that I remembered until I woke up laying down the side of the road, looking down the white line on the road. So what happened was we drove about a mile from the house and a guy was construction and drinking all day. One of those kind of like us, but to a little higher degree. And uh, three in the morning, so he started early. The guy was plastered. We were coming around the turn, going down the mountain, full speed, 55. He comes up and he falls asleep at the wheel and just swerves and hits right into us. Mm. I don't remember none of this. Because I had such a No bad time to break. It was just full double two head-ons hitting each other. Right. Full speed, man. That's a, it, they, they estimated him at 65 and we were doing 55. So combined, that's the force of impact. And where did your body go? Well, I do remember cursing. Well, I was still in the car. I was cursing. Fuck, fuck, fuck. But I can't see nothing. Uh, we, we each had weed, but what happened was when he hit us, my lap belt being on, I just went boom, straight forward, my face ate the dashboard. Okay? The engine got pushed in so fast, it broke part of my kneecap. So they took that out. I had a fractured hip, and my face is smashed into a million pieces. This is beautiful, huh? We're hearing the, the emergency go, emergency <laughs> right. sirens go off. You're telling your story of the accident. Man, universe works in funny ways. I mean, bro. I couldn't, so like, I couldn't move, man. And like, I said to myself, Jesus, what the fuck can possibly be worse than this? You know, there's no way anything can possibly be worse than this. I mean, because those thunderstorms were rolling through, one rolled through, and. So now I'm laying in the rain, looking down the side of the road in a thunderstorm, and I feel the water going in my ear. 
And the water's going in my ear, and I can't even turn my fucking head or move my arm to do anything. That's what I fucking... <laughs> you know, man, like, holy shit. My friend, one of my friends was first on the scene, this girl that I knew, and she said, Gary, I didn't even know that was you. I woke up in the hospital. I died in the ambulance. This I do remember. They were trying to get the tube down my throat to breathe for me, and I couldn't. I was puking. They couldn't get it down, and I was like, I'm ready to give up, man. Like, I can't. I didn't want, I wanted to live. I'm like, I can't keep fighting. And they said, take one more breath, man, and we'll get this tube in your throat. I remember that. Were you saying that I, I can't give... I, I was saying it to myself. Yeah, I couldn't talk. But they felt it. They, the EMT yeah, I guess guys they just, did. Just like, come on, man. Do it, do it. Take it, did, take man. it, take it. I saw, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? But I woke up in the hospital a couple days later. Um, I had a trach because they didn't get it down my throat. And I guess... Oh, it, shit. So they just decided you must have passed out at that point, And they just said, okay, we got to go this way. And just left him massively uh, hurt. I had a fractured hip and a broken kneecap. And I don't know where the pain is coming from. Like the pain is just everywhere, constant, all the time. On Metallica say, gone insane from the pain. I, I like wonder how they knew to say that because like it, while I was laying on the road, dude, that pain was so immense that I, it took me somewhere. You can't even imagine, you can't imagine this pain. It's unimagined. He felt like he was pretty at one point, and now he wasn't anymore. So he was dealing with that. Well, this is reconstructed, mostly this side. It was like, I woke up, they gave me a mirror, and I started crying immediately. Because my face was out to here. My chin was over here, but my nose was over here. I mean, it was a mess. And my mom brought them a picture for my graduation and said, that's what they worked off of to rebuild. And you Is it look, the same face? It's not asymmetrical. Not, no. And that, that hurts, man. That, that definitely hurts. But, you know, like, I'm happy. Like, I made it through some crazy shit. This yeah. has brought me to where we are today in this whole cannabis thing. Do you see your face when you look in the mirror? What face do you see when you look in the mirror? I guess I identify it as me. Uh, the old me died when I was 19 because it really did. So you this, got a second chance. This, yeah, yeah. This, uh, it, it definitely did. At 19 years old, I learned a lot. I This is where my opiate habit began. Woke you up looked, in the hospital woke up a couple hospital. days later and they showed me my face. I was in for 17 days. And I couldn't talk because uh, my whole face was shattered. The roof of my mouth was split like a Y, dude. Uh, that's how deep in they went. I did sustain frontal left lobe damage. It happens to be decision-making area, amongst other things. But that has all <laughs> that plays big in the rest of my life, too. I wake up and I'm in pain. You can't describe the pain. And I can't talk. So my mom still has these notes. Like, this is after they show me my face. I cry. Sure. I cry, man, because, like, I was kind of a little pretty guy. <laughs> so I cried. Well, they were giving me, I was on a, I had a morphine pump with the clicker. Like, every three or six minutes, I can get an extra dose. And then, like, every time I woke up, this is how bad it was for me. They would come in, literally, the nurse would come in with a list 
from A to Z of every painkiller they had and asking me what I want because I was writing these notes, pain, pain. This this is life shattering, man. Like I said, he stole that from me, so now I'm addicted to opiates too and I'm at home all fucked up and I'm withdrawing and I never knew it. I went through withdrawal and just thought, hey, this is part of everything else that fucking hurts, you know? And I never knew it, so right then, I, I'm, I'm addicted now. And like, that is a cucumber turning to a pickle. There's no going back once you do that with opiates because it changes, alters some stuff in your brain. Two years later, it was my birthday and I was 22 at this time. Thing. He sent me home with a couple scripts, Percocet still. Nobody ever said, Gary, you have to be careful because you are now, you now have an opioid dependency. So once you do, there's no turning back. Listen. <laughs> Just stop a minute and like observe the, observe the nature while we sit here. And he spent the next 20 years trying to kill himself with drugs. So when did it switch? When did it no longer work anymore for you? Well, it took, I, I ended up in jail uh, down in Philadelphia County. It was the first time I was ever arrested. I got pulled over a hundred times down there. Like I said, once a week I get pulled over. Cops would like never really bother with me. They'd be like, throw throw your stuff, your rig, and throw the drugs down in the gutter. So we would like, don't let me see you back here. That happened once a week. Uh, it still know, went back. It still I, went back. The one time. So risky. <laughs> dude, every day it was either the cops. I, I would get a rush from going into that neighborhood. You know, I'm getting like my stomach is in butterflies. I lock the doors like I'm going in. I'm going in to grab what I got to get and get the fuck out without getting robbed, without getting arrested. Long story short, like they caught me with all the shit. <laughs> and uh, I was like, come on, well, would you let me go? Because, like, I always got let go before. I was like, I'll give you all my shit. And the, the cop was like, no way, man. He goes, you're a, you're a walking pharmacy. I, he goes, I can't let you go. You know, because, like, I would have died. I would have died. I was already just about overdosed. And I'm about to go and get all these other drugs. You know, I would have died. So, At least your best friend there, huh? Yeah, right. Saved you. Fucking, isn't that ironic, man? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's fucking ironic. When I woke up in state prison sober, I was 30, it's about 35 years old, I realized this, I said, holy shit. I said, holy shit, man. I, I've been trying to kill myself. I'm trying to kill myself this whole time. It's who does, who mixes spoons with coke, meth, and heroin all together, does huge full syringe shots of this stuff, you know, and, uh, Nobody normal would even think of sticking a needle in themselves to begin with. I never thought I would, you know. Nobody wants to grow up to be a junkie. And then wanted to live. And found a way back through cannabis. Now, he died. A lot of the cannabis cafe community is rallying around, um, talking about what they're going to do. And a lot of people are hurt in that community because he talked to them every day. He posted 10 times a day. He was doing live videos. He would show up doing little things, playing guitar. I'd be messaging him sometimes and he would be up, oh, got to go talking to some lady about addiction. She needs some help right now. 
He was always talking to people. So when he exited, there was a void that a lot of people really missed. They talk about him today still. You see posts about him. His family contacted me. His daughter contacted me first from his daughter. Hi there. I realize you may not know who I am, but I'm Zary's daughter. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for posting that story and podcast with him. He and I had a very strained relationship while I was growing up, and we began to reconnect and work on our relationship a few years back. We became so close, and he always told me that he wanted to sit down one day and tell me everything. We never got around to that, so when I saw your post, you can imagine how relieved I was. I started listening to it, and it brought immediate tears just to be able to hear his voice. Thank you again so much for sharing your podcast. Hearing his voice and his humor brings me so much happiness. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So many. This is cool, man. This is definitely cool. He always told her that he was going to sit down and tell her the story when the time was right. But that time never happened. He died before he had a chance to tell her. And right there, she had three hours of listening to her dad tell the story. She couldn't react with him or hug him, or but she heard it. That was really good. That was a huge moment in podcasting history for Far North Tokers. Just a damn. Like you've left something for, for someone. You know, sometimes you meet people so you can tell a story. Well, yeah, and that's how, that's how we get back. Better keep them secrets, man. I don't know that there's unity. And uh, that's why I love going to Cafe of Family. Yes. Daughter's fine. A lot of the Cannabis Cafe. Awesome. I love the show. Uh, Parents contact me. They want me to remove the show. We are Zary's parents. We listen to Zary's recordings and we are disappointed that you could put every mistake he ever made out there for anyone to see. We live in a very small community with many closed-minded people, us included. You came here and got him high as a kite with your special marijuana, which is illegal in Pennsylvania, and all on tape and exploited his name and reputation. We would ask that many people already listen to his story and now, as his parents, ask that you respect us and his family by taking both podcasts off your website. I know it could be done. We are devastated by his death, and your insensitivity leaves us beyond dead ourselves. Then there were many more back and forth. I was wondering, when did the parents contact you? They contacted me probably... Two, three weeks after the funeral, I've never had any contact with parents other than there was one main moderator who had contact with her because I guess she was the one that announced it to the cafe that he had died. So there was a moderator of that group that had contact with the family. And she was asking for things to be, you know, if there's anything we want to send to the family and people were sending stories and things and there were threads that they were going to forward to. So that was the only contact I had through the family. I believe once he had died, people in that community started searching his name up on Facebook, you know, or not Facebook, Google or whatever, looking for obituary, obituary information, you know, friends of the family. And then his podcast would pop up and a lot of other things popped up. He wrote for different blogs. He wrote uh, an article for a magazine and things, different things would pop up. And, but a main thing was that podcast, him telling his story. Uh, People started contacting his parents. His parents listened to it. 
and they contacted me and wanted me to remove the episode because it was causing so much hurt for them. People search things and paid a buck for it, and he was reading it to me. He's like, dude, he's all shocked. I'm like, and you had this in Chester County. They put this in here, and they put this in it. I'm like, dude, yeah, that's my shit, man. It's all out there. You know what? It was all drug-related, man. I'm not that person. I never stole from anybody young till drugs, man. You know, I stole from my family more than I stole from anybody else. They were obviously hurt. I didn't even know what to do from the letter other than try to calm it down. And uh, yeah, I, so ethical quandary, what do you do when I have a previous guest who is no longer living, recorded a show six months ago, published six months ago, very controversial subject, hard on the family, brought out lots of skeletons. And the family is asking that I remove those episodes from the lineup. Well, I think your biggest question is, do you hurt the living to like honor the dead? Yeah, I, it's the, that's a huge question. But it's also by leaving it up, you're not hurting everyone. You're predominantly hurting a few people. Right. Um, And possibly helping many. Right. We have to figure out who who is more important. Do we do we even uh, do we even contemplate that question? Do we say that some people in this in this situation are worth more have more value in the quandary? I think that that's extremely hard Mm -hmm. to do when you start getting into that part of it, it gets really murky. Yeah. Like, do you, do you leave it up because of the daughter? Do you take it down because of the parents? Either way, you're hurting someone uh, no matter what you do. And so that's, that's, that's really hard. If we just start with the situation of, of me and the ethical quandary that I had with putting the, uh, putting the content in there, that was my own personal one. Like I had no one to answer to, but myself and how I want to live and how I want my show to be. Next, it goes to Zary and myself. If he had asked me to pull the episode, it would have been down in a second. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been a thought. It, yeah. I, I, I'm not a journalist. I'm not playing gotcha. I'm not recording something and being, oh yeah, there I get, I got it. I'm going to play it over and over again and memes and sound bites. And if there's something that's said that people don't want on the show, it gets taken off. Mm-hmm. Zary wanted nothing off. People in high school, like, if you want excitement, like, just hang around me, man, because there's something crazy always going on. And Do you think it's, it's just because, well, Maybe doing all the drugs takes you off of, off balance. Oh yeah. So like you're not you're not in anyone's the right timeline. You're always behind or in front oh, of things. Absolutely, and that's that's where the weed you know fills in for people with opiate problems and shit. Like there's something really damaged in our brain, you know. 
So, like, this stuff is so important that they're allowing opiate addicts in Pennsylvania to get out. Like, we need to replace. Not everybody can do 12 steps and get clean. Very few, man. You know, so, like, there's other paths, like Kratom. Kratom is an awesome herb. It helps people get off heroin. You can stay on that as, a, as an herbal painkiller, just as strong as an opiate if you take enough of it, but it's really not abusable, so it's stupid. But it helps people get off. It won't work for everybody, but it will for some. Weed will help for some. AA will help for some. That has to be smart recovery well. Um, so many other mental therapies like there's has to be multiple paths man because there's so many different types of people and we come from so many different backgrounds you know how many kids that i saw in jail like young guys that had no parents growing up they didn't know where they are or their parents stole from them and beat them and do like the prison system is sad because a lot of those people were in juvie trouble because they had no guidance and do and they're just no one them out in the beginning uh, yeah, 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 letting them keep doing it. They would let me out to go kill myself some more, man. Man, like, that's the bottom line with most of the people in jail today. You know, some kind of trauma. All right, this is the current, like, the common theme that I found amongst the people. There was some kind of trauma. They were beat as a kid. They were raped as a kid. Um, just like me, my accident when I was 19, I didn't hit a jail till I was 28 in my life, so... Obviously, I'm not a career criminal. The North Bowl Refinery is here to provide Alaska with the finest quality CBD available in the market today. They carry a wide range of CBD, oils, tinctures, capsules, edibles, lotion, bath bombs, vape pens, pet tincture, and isolate. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations. Smoking Deals in Fairbanks and Kenai, Nature's Relief, Grass Station 49, Airport Way, Wishful Things, and Chena Hot Springs locations. Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs in Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, Alaskan Blooms in Fairbanks, Green Hearted Goodness in Healy, AK Relief, and Frontier CBDs both in Anchorage and Alaskan Dog Works. Check them out at www.thenorthbowlrefinery.com. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop, and there's no doubt as to why. High quality, American-made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting with competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm going to let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're going to find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red, Lyrical Sticker. Looking to list or searching for your perfect property? Well, contact Matt Wade at Century 21 Gold Rush, community member for over 20 years, helping you through the real estate buying and selling process. Matt Wade, c21 at gmail.com. M A T W A D E 
c21 at gmail.com. 907-978-0127. Helping you through the process. Matt Wade, Century 21 Goldbush. He wanted it all there. And so do you think that if he was still alive today and his parents wrote you and said, we want this down, would there be a question in your mind? No, zero. It wouldn't even. I don't think they knew that it existed until he died. So if they knew it existed prior to that and they contacted me, I would probably just forward that message to Zary and be like, "Uh, what the fuck, man? (laughs) <laughs> like really you're and he can you imagine imagine you being a 40 year old activist that it's come through drug addiction recovery your parents are trying to get a get a show taken down that you were in can you imagine that even happening can <laughs> no i can't <laughs> like no it does it doesn't even exist no but right now so, it changed Mm-hmm. It changed because he doesn't have a voice anymore. Mm. And it also changed because they know about it. But that idea that that he's living versus he is dead, that's that's the change. That's that's the big thing, because there there is no way I would even consider it if his parents came to me and said, pull it down. I, would be, I don't even know you. Like, I. <laughs> I know Zary. It was something that we we did together to try to promote cannabis and he wanted it out. There. I don't like get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. But now wow, it it is does it change? And I think the piece that changes is that you want to respect their grief. You understand where they're coming from as grieving parents. Nobody should have to bury a son. And so you're respecting, like, by considering it, you're respecting their grief, their loss, their hurt, their pain. Right. I don't want to, by my actions, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt anyone by by anything I do. Right. I think part of it, too, is they have dealt with something that I can only imagine. I can't, I can't say that I've ever dealt with an addict as a child and dealing with the pain that that goes through with that and then having that child pass away i've never dealt with that right i i met him on his climb mm-hmm. like i didn't know him at his bottom just because i knew there was money there i couldn't go sick man like i went sick a thousand times uh opioid addiction fucking withdrawal is like the flu times 30 um so at some point it's like i can't do it i need to take their money I'll get it back for them on the weekend. And it's always, I'll get it back. And I took good chunks out of my dad's paycheck every week, man. And they didn't notice because he was a pipe fitter and was doing all right back then. Dude, I stole jewelry from him. stole my dad's copper pipes. It breaks my heart, man, because my parents never left my side. You know what? They were always there at court. 24 years, multiple arrests, multiple cases in eight different counties. And I was in state prison. Dude, it was hell, man. And... The system is rigged for us to fail because it's job security. I didn't know him when he was going down and stealing from his parents. And and if I was around him when he was going down, he'd have been stealing from me. Mm -hmm. I knew him at a different point in life. But for him to get there 
that previous part of his life had to exist. I don't know. I am so stuck on this idea that if they would have contacted me right afterwards, it'd have been a zero issue. Now that they contact me that he's dead, for some reason, they have some power. They were hurt about it before. If they would have found out about it, they wouldn't want that information, but they probably would have talked to him about it. Right. right? Because he's the one who told the story. He's the one who um, ah. consented to the interview. So he kind of, you, you put it out there in kind of the, the teaser for this is who owns that story. Exactly. Well, yes, he's, yes, when yes. he's alive, he clearly owns that story. If he had said, hey, take it down or even take any portion of it down, you would have immediately done that because he owns his story. And story is so important to humans. It's an integral part of our humanity, the way we think, the way we learn, the way we grow is through story. And so, you know, him putting that out there, him consenting to have that on the internet, he wanted that there. And so when he's alive, he clearly owns that. But now that he's, you know, deceased and does he still own that story? Does yeah. it belong to his parents? Yeah, does who it owns it now? Does it belong to his, his daughter? Does it belong to you? Yeah, who owns that story now? Or after he's passed, does anyone own it? Own it, really? Or does he still own it? It comes down to, you know, who who owns that story. Yeah, it's beautiful. I don't... And is it a clear-cut answer? Well... That is a great question. Who owns the story? I would say he definitely has ownership in the story. My recording it, I don't know. Me producing it <laughs> makes me an owner of that story because mm-hmm. I constructed pieces of it to create a narrative. Right. Yes. Right? So, and then I asked the questions. I led that story. Wow. It is, um, it's oral history. Mm-hmm. And now we record oral history, but you know, in the past we just re- repeat oral history. Somebody would tell you, your parents would tell you a story around the campfire and then you repeat it to your children. Now we record oral story. Right. And how many times would it change when you're doing an oral story? How many times it would change in recorded story? We just, we accept that that was fact, but the the oral recording could be wrong in how people are explaining it. Mm-hmm. That is one thing about Zary's recording. He, he did, did not seem to shine himself up. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't say that he was, he was saying this was his glory days. No. <laughs> I would. That was good decisions. So he multiply said that it was you know, a bad place. He's lucky to be alive. It's, it's amazing to even be here, sitting next to you, man. Like, I should be dead a thousand times. You know, I should be dead a thousand times. I had I a thousand chances. So, I don't have one more, I don't think. You know? Oh, you think? Oh, you think you wore about straight? I, not only that, but, like, I'm done. I'm done with that life. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You just don't put yourself in situations where it's risky. Wisdom. <laughs> and that he was in a you know dark place. And so it wasn't 
like he was glorifying this part of his life, but that he was, it was almost like a cautionary tale. Like you would say, you know, don't go over by that cave. There's a tiger over there. Okay, don't do opiates. It will kill you. There's a tiger over there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The theme of that show being wisdom, learning from someone else's story, being able to either learn from someone else's story or having to learn from yourself. Both are wisdom. Mm -hmm. Some do not learn very well from other people. They need to do it themselves and have millions of mistakes and repeat the same mistake over and over and over and over again until you're finally not smart enough, but wise enough not to do it again. I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to make a judgment call that it sounds as if from what his mother has written you that Zeri hurt his parents in life and is continuing to hurt them in death by his choices and actions. And now that responsibility of hurt is, is being put on you. Some have reflected that in my conversations with them about maybe the parents tried to control him in life and now they're just trying to do it in death as well to the dead that I, that notion of honoring the dead for the living or honoring the living for the dead, depending on what you believe happens after death determines what the next process of this debate goes, right? If there's nothing, it doesn't matter for shit. Yeah. If there's, I mean, I can see what, if someone says, if there's absolutely nothing, then it's not going to hurt anyone, you know, so to take it down. So you'd want to honor the people who are living because everything is about the living at that point. Unless we can learn from someone else's story through wisdom. Exactly. And his, his daughter is still in effect there too. So right. yeah. And then all the, the sphere of influence that he had outside of the cafe and people he met, his friends and uh, people that he did wrong by. You know, that, that learn through them. Like we, we talked about, it's not very easy, but it's a simpler question when the people involved are few. Mm-hmm. Like when we're talking about when the, when the quandary only involves me, am I going to publish it out under my name? It only affects me. So there it goes. When it affects yeah. two people, it's a decision between two people and you com- can compromise pretty easy. Three. Okay. Starts getting a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when it becomes people that don't even have investment in the original debate, but are involved somehow by knowing the people. And that's what makes a quandary a dilemma in what to do. There's so many different ways to approach it. Utilitarianism, where we look at everyone and I know, Denise, you go with this pro and con list. (laughs) I am a list list maker. When you write that pro and con list, I guess that we have to decide the question, do I take it down? The pro to taking it down would be it would satisfy something in the parents that they feel they need. Whether it would help them or not in the long run, we don't know. But it might just move on to something else. This seems to be the scapegoat that they're attaching a lot of their emotion onto that they want removed. And if it goes, they'll somehow be healed. It might not be that way at all. It might just be move on to something else. It probably won't be that way because their grief is not to do with your podcast. Their grief is to do with the loss of the son. And while you're in grief, you're not thinking logically. That's part of grief. So you're lashing out. You know, that's part of anger. That's part of the grief process. But yeah, 
removing the, the podcast isn't going to lessen their grief, even though they may think it is. So we're, in talking about who owns the story, parents own part of his story. They, they, they are part of his story. And any story they choose to tell is theirs, right? They own it all. Yes. And if they choose to omit their son's dark past, they are allowed to live that chapter, right? They, You're allowed yes. to, to oh, yeah. read any book and live any story you want. And you can choose to remember only the good things, which, wow, you know, if it ever happened to me, you know, why would you want to dwell on the bad stuff? But there's more to the book than just the one nice chapter. Thank you, Good Cannabis, for your fine strains. Another thing I can really appreciate about Good, have you noticed their specials? They're not doing the low-end THC on special. All strains are on special. You gotta like that. Any strain you want. It's not just the lowball trying to get rid of their stuff. I like this method. Get on down there. Durban Poison, Bio Jesus, ooh, good cannabis. And Bar Nord Tokers would like to thank Good Cannabis for sponsoring the podcast. Friday and Saturday, 10 to 11. Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 10. 356 Old Steese Highway, Fairbanks, Alaska. 907-452-5463. Good Cannabis. Here's Token. Well, humanity is extremely complicated. And like you said before, your past makes you who you are. So a lot of the times the bad stuff makes the good stuff. And the fact that he was an activist for, and he wanted, you know, he wanted his story told. That, that complicates it too, because I feel like while, while parents can tell their story, he can also tell his story and that's the way he wanted to tell it. Some of my relatives don't want me to have, say what I say on a podcast and I would be really hurt if after my death they took it all down because they didn't mm. like they didn't like what I was saying or how I was saying it or my views. Well my views are my views. I choose my views and my activism and who I choose to stand up for and that's gonna be different than what some of my relatives believe and that's gonna be different than what my children believe. My children believe very differently than I do as well. And I can't control what they believe. I can talk to them about it. But I can't control it. And my you know, parents can't control what I believe. And we're all individuals. And to whitewash that and try to make it all conform and to try to make a pretty picture that somebody, you know, will think better of us. I think that's that's a sad and kind of cheapening version of portraying somebody's life. Is there ever a time when it's acceptable to clean history? Like I wouldn't say clean, maybe omit history. It is. It's a hundred percent like talking to my kids. Like, I'm not going to tell my kids bad stuff I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But may my friend tell my kids bad stuff I did later? Possibly. <laughs> or maybe, maybe I do it later. And yeah, then it becomes, if my friend tells my kid something I did, which is the same situation that I'm dealing with here, it's still part of my story, whether I wanted it to get out or not. I think information is 
key and maybe that gets to privacy and is it anyone's right to know certain things and uh, but then the key comes down to this situation is he recorded it mm-hmm. he, he wanted consented. it out mm-hmm. he consented he's an adult yeah you know she said in the letter that you had given him pot so that he would talk more and that you coerced him to talk more this is a guy who was a cannabis advocate who was in his 40s he knew what he was taking. He knew what he was doing. He knew how he was telling a story. It's not like this is some 16-year-old that you're playing with alcohol to, to get to talk more. This is an adult who knows the risks, the rewards, um, exactly what he's doing. And um, so, I mean, like, I think that that's just kind of a ridiculous statement. Right, it being suggested that, that I was... Um feeding him extremely powerful marijuana to induce a state in him that would get him to open up his secrets. I mean, it definitely gives you a lot of control in that situation and her son a lot less control or no control at all, which... Both of you are grown adults who have used, you know, cannabis throughout your life. Yeah, so like you both are pretty much on equal... Standing. There's nobody with the control in the situation. Yeah, it gave me a insight into to what his what his parents are like. You know, talking about this. I knew Zary consumed concentrates, and that is a much more powerful form than flour that we were consuming. She she didn't know what she was talking about in regard to what cannabis is, and my intention, how her her feeling that I'm some. What do they call those people? Like uh, worm tongues, mm. you know, like whispering in his ear about things. My intention was none of that. My my, we talked about what your intention is behind things. My intention was to share his story. He wanted to share a story, and I had a place to share it. And we had a good time, and I wanted to meet him. He was he's awesome. And he was all for that uh, recording going up, and he listened to it, and he knew what was said. Um, oh, far yeah. out. Far after this fact, so it's not like he, you know, was like, "Oh man, you know, I shouldn't have said all those things." He knew what he said, and he was, he was. No, he wanted to come on again. He couldn't (laughs) wait till we were going to do it again. I mean, it definitely gives an insight into maybe, maybe not what type of person they are, but it definitely gives insight into their grief Mm -hmm. and what they wanted. They wanted it him to, you know, be different. We don't have criminals in the family. You know what I mean? I have, there's 34 cousins on my mom's side of the family. There's 10 aunts and uncles, and just 34 on that side. Like, everybody's somebody. Everybody's somebody. We got engineers. We got successful businessmen. We got, we got people doing things, man. And, like, I was trying to do things for a while. Now I'm all fucked up, you know? So nobody knew anything <laughs> about jail. Nobody knew anything about addiction. Nobody was talking about it back then. Another aspect that hit me hard was what were, was them suggesting that I was making money off mm-hmm. of their dead son. And uh, I I was. I I made I made money off of advertising from those shows. I didn't make money selling his story. So, but also, I, I, I want to ask, like, when you made the money, was mm-hmm. he alive? Yes. So right now, the, the you know the way the 
my show and advertising works. It's based on a monthly thing and the advertisers have no idea what my shows are going to be. Yeah. So they are, they're buying time on a content, a cannabis content show where it doesn't really matter what the content is. The content is what's between the advertising. A basic formula for any kind of show. So yes, I made money, but I didn't make money off of the content. I made money because the show existed. Yes. And I, I feel she, the parents feel that I am a very large celebrity, like feel like I'm uh, making millions of dollars off of the podcast. And for his first show, I made $25 (laughs) and my, um, the second show I made 70. Mm -hmm. So. And you make that money before he passed away. Yeah. Six months ago. And he was aware that you um, may have sponsors. Oh, he was happy. Yeah. He was, he was happy that I, that I had sponsors. He was, he, I think one of his quotes was, it's a fucked up story, but mm-hmm. you got a sponsor. There's a sponsor for you. <laughs> and so in no way did you make money off of his death. You made money off of his story that he fully consented to as an adult. And mostly you made money because your show exists. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I His show definitely got a lot of listens after his death. It's part of it's part of what happens, right? Yeah, I mean, artists sometimes don't get noticed until they're gone, right? For one, people want to hear his voice again, right? Because uh, he he's putting out content all the time. Someone who who didn't hear his story before, and wow, I'm always going to go. It's always going to be there, and now he's gone, and I can go listen to it. Or people wanting to listen to it over and over again. That's probably happened. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely increased listenership since that happened, but I think that's just because his name bubbled up in the consciousness, you know? The bigger question that we have here, is it ever okay to rewrite history? Is it fine? We're pulling down statues now and and only telling certain parts of history, depending on who's in control. Who owns the story, right? Who owns the story is who who gets to control. It's always been that way. Who tells Mm -hmm. the story... Is, is who, usually the winner. Is, yeah, who has power, <laughs> yeah, who has power tells a story. Generally, for as far as history, it feels like. And who has power in this situation? I think. Right. Yeah, I think, I think so you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am the historian in this situation. I think Zeri gave you power by telling his story to you, allowing you to record it, consenting to sit with you for a day and and tell you what he wanted to say. But when I did try cannabis, now I grew up, I was born with like high anxiety. So I was a nervous wreck, like my whole childhood kind of, and that caused some, that caused me a little bit of issues, but I excelled in everything. When I smoked marijuana for the first time, I said, I'm home. You know, it just, all that anxiety melted away. And we created a beautiful piece. I love it. I love our conversation. I love all the sounds that happened in that show. I love when he's talking about his accident laying in the middle of the road, that there's ambulances going off around us. That was There were so many things that happened during that day that were supposed to happen. The, the way it came through and the way we met and everything. I can't imagine ever taking that show down. As much as it hurts his mom, 
one of the things that I attempted to do was change the name. So that's as far as I got at this point. I changed the title so his name wouldn't appear in any searches, but the internet is too big a beast that there's no way to erase it from the internet. Mm-hmm. One of the things I w- I had written on my pros and cons list was actually a, like a con for his parents. And, and one of the things I was thinking that if I was in their shoes, that potentially after grief subsides a bit or you go through different stages of it, would you be sad that mm. you would miss his voice like that this is something they could go back and listen to to really know their son the good the bad the ugly i mean like just to have anything like they recorded it they they do have a copy of it okay so if it would be taken down which is interesting that that aspect of would they ever want to have it again they get to be the selfish Oh, the selfish, that sounds so harsh. But they get to be the ones in control of the story then. Because they still have it and they can listen to it whenever they want or not listen to it. I think if we went right down to the core of why they recorded it, they said they're using it as evidence against me to turn into the police. But I I think it's to have their son. You know, what? why, why not have that that piece, even even though it is ugly? I mean, they took him back into, his, into their house. He was living with them. Mm-hmm. So... And I don't think anybody yeah, says that they didn't love him and didn't care for him the best that they could. Right. And that grief is very raw now and very and very hard. But that doesn't mean that you can erase what he wanted from life. Part of a good ethical quandary is is that it's not easy. And people are going to get hurt no matter what decision I make. Yeah. And at least... There's an intention to to consider them, the parents. I'm not completely off off and saying, no, go to hell. I'm not going to. I would have told them to go to hell if they contacted me six months ago. Honestly, that doesn't even make sense to me. And that's a beautiful piece of this question. Death changes, changes things. And who owns the story? Who's telling the story? And what a what a nice walk around this talk we've had. Is there any God? Is there I, anything else? My that original, wanna... my original thing that I was going—I mean, with all my writing and all my pros and cons lists that I have in front of me—my original suggestion in my mind there was three choices. There was leave it up, don't change anything. Uh, in the middle, there was try to be respectful to them to a point, and also honor Zary and change the name, which talking to you, I found out, you know, you've already done that. That was probably my number one choice. Um, I felt like it was thoughtful and caring, but also honoring his wishes. The last one I wasn't a fan of, but I had written it down and jotted it down just, you know, possibly to take it down, allow them to heal a little and then uh, revisit it as a special or something later. Right. Can you imagine like in, inviting them on? Like that was an option too. To take it down and then invite them on as a part of a show. I don't think that could happen. But wow. That would hearing, be- hearing her pain, I don't feel – it mm-hmm. doesn't seem it's as if they're right there. No, no. no that would be a stupid Jerry Springer show. That doesn't need to happen. 
So, I mean, from what I'm getting from you is it sounds like you've already made up your, your mind what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And I think that actually before we even talked about it, Denise and I uh, came to the, probably the same conclusion is that, that you should keep it up and honor his, his wishes and his story. So it's interesting that we kind of all came to the same conclusion. Yeah, I, I think overall many people that I talk to have that same thought. But we are all so disconnected from the pain. That that's mm-hmm. that's the easy thing to say. I there's a million things that your kids do that we'll never know. And that you know, sometimes we share them with our parents as we get older, thinking, you know, I don't know what to feel like we're an adult, like we've done some bad things too, maybe telling our parents <laughs> things. But everything is not shared with them and it shouldn't be. They they have a certain they have a Parents sometimes have a right to have that clean story about their kids. If you choose to horrify them with some of the things you've done, that's one thing. But they're always going to see as that little baby who can't do anything, anything wrong. And unfortunately for some of us that are out there in the public that get to hear our bad stories, it definitely hurts the family. But it's part of the whole story. And you can't get through life without hurt. I think that's beautiful. (laughs) Anything else you guys want to? say today i i i know i know the answer it's going to be painful i've known the answer probably since it happened um but there we go ethical quandary i grew up a pittsburgh fan now because of living in philadelphia and going to prison in philadelphia during football season i'm also an eagles fan (laughs) (laughs) do we want to be remembered for who we were even if we weren't perfect Pooh. That's a whole different question there, Denise, because I don't think I don't know if I would want to be remembered for my bad things. But did Zary? (laughs) Yes, he did. He did. You know, I think he wanted to, from what I got listening to the podcast. He wanted the whole picture. He wanted his good things and his bad things. He wanted to be remembered for telling the story of his bad things to show where he came from. Yeah, to let people know that I have been way low. Yeah, and because I'm, and I'm story, back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. This the point of the story is I'm not there anymore. Right. That is that, that that's the point of the story. It's not it's not a sad ending. Yep. We love happy endings, and that part of the story was not a sad ending. Six months later, it became that way. And we just keep on keep on writing. His story's not over, and this isn't over yet. What is next as we sign off here for Ethical Quandaries? What do you guys got coming up? We're in the middle of moving Denise's business, so we've been kind of lax on recording lately, but I think we're going to be talking soon about whether or not it's ethical to tell people they're going to hell. Cool. <laughs> and I don't know. I want to talk about hell and it doesn't exist <laughs> we're gonna get deep we're gonna get real deep oh, i but... love it yeah hell's i i've got some ideas on that myself <laughs> i feel like it's a it's a really uh volatile topic and i can't wait to potentially get some negative negative feedback, feedback. <laughs> no yeah I'm, you will <laughs> i'll be listening to that one i that's a good conversation please take Two minutes to describe your business so we can send some tokers down your way. 
So I uh, currently own a business uh, called Soothe, and I am located in Soldatna. And next month, I'm going to be relocating it into Kenai. So I'm moving my business from one town to another, although it really is literally only 10 minutes away. And I sell anything that has to do with comfort. So I've got anything that makes you feel good about yourself, makes you comfy, cozy. I want good vibes when people walk into my store. Like you go in, you smell something that smells really good. You have a nice lotion. You climb into some cozy PJs. You wear some pretty lingerie. I've got stuff for men, um, like beard care and just generally like funny soaps and PJs for men also. Uh, And then I go into baby. I mean, I just have something for the entire family that's going to make you feel good. And really, honestly, I just don't feel like you can be in a bad mood in my store. (laughs) What's the address of the store? Where are you guys going to be? The address is 12498 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska. Great. And how do people find you? I see a lot of stuff on Facebook. Yeah, I do a lot on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Soothe Collection. Soothe Collection. All right. I'll be sharing that out. And thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about my ethical quandary. Thank you for having us. Yes, we really appreciate it. It was very interesting to toss around in my head. Mm. Yeah, thanks for coming on. (laughs) Take care, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. Here's Toker. We were bummed that we, we lost it last night, but yeah, I think it went well. It, I probably went better just because we practiced it once. and <laughs> we were. I think we were more to the point. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah.